when I first got into this, you just think, what am I actually doing as the engines wind up, that beautiful turbine spool-up sound right. with flame licking out the end of the nozzles and this, this beautiful smell of, uh, of combustion. Combustion, yeah. And yeah. yeah, you think, okay, what am I doing? And then you've got the overwhelming sensation, which before you learn to fly, you've got to overcome the heat, the, the very loud noise, because these are turbines spinning at 117,000 RPM. They make a very high-pitched noise, so it's very, very loud. Um, so you've got the noise, you've got the heat that you feel, you've got the fact that you're wearing five jet engines, you see flames and everything, that you're all coming to terms with on the first time you try the suit. Yeah, so sure, that's I'm why sure. we kind of do the jet suit experience for people because it's a really cool thing to come to terms with and feel. All of that on your first go is too much. So you're just getting a, getting an idea of what it's like to have that on your body and what the thrust feels like as you pull the trigger in. Exactly, exactly. So, so This is the SolidWorks Born to Design podcast, a collection of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas into actual new products. And by the way, they all use SolidWorks. I'm your host, Cliff Menning, and I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of the Born to Design podcast, Blast Off with Sam Rogers. Today, I'm talking with Sam Rogers, additive design lead at Gravity Industries, known for making the five-turbo jet engine-powered jet suit. Listen as Sam discusses the exciting beginnings of designing a jet suit his first time flying it, new technology and how additive design technologies allow them to design quicker, and his keys for designing a successful product. So let's jump right into his story. So Sam, we're here at 3D Experience World, and you did a great presentation about your gravity jetpack, and it's quite impressive. Tell us where this all got started. Where did the inspiration, why, why, did, why did you decide you were going to go build a jetpack? So it all started with Richard Browning uh, about, uh, about three years ago. He had a hunch that by augmenting the human body with a form of propulsion, which turned out to be jet engines, uh, that a human would be able to control a system that would allow them to fly with the least equipment possible attached to the human body. So he first tried that by attaching a microturbine, uh, a single microturbine to his arm with just standard available DIY store type e equipment, so just like extruded aluminium section and pieces like this, and attached it to his arm just to disprove the first assumptions that you might have as an engineer, uh, which was what was thrown up by most most kind of engineers he spoke to when originally thinking about the concept for this, which was that when you move your arm, the gyroscopic effect of a turbine spinning at 117,000 RPM will prevent your arm from moving or it'll be very hard to control and move. Exactly, Which yeah. was absolutely fine. You could move it easily, so that wasn't a problem. And the other thing was that the aggressive force of a turbine sounds like it's something going to rip your arm off. It wasn't. It's just a soft, spongy 22-kilogram worth of push. Uh, so so his, his idea that was really different was the fact that he would you could control it better with your arms than more the on-the-back solutions that were out there. Yeah, right? so yeah. being able to have the, the turbines on your arms is really intuitive to fly it's very relatable because it looks very human right. and it's very dynamic to fly as well because if you mount those turbines to a, a pack then you've got quite a, a rigid system the, the human is now getting into a, a jet pack where you've got the turbines hard mounted to it uh, there is a there is a a problem that you get sometimes with jet engines where they can just do a run-up say they run up to full power if something goes wrong so if you've got one of those systems and that happens then you're going up because they're yeah. fixed to the system <laughs> the cool thing with the jet suit is that you can bring the the throttle trigger into full power you hold your arms out like a t-pose by your side and you can just stand there on full power so you've always got the the 
the get out of you just flare your arms out and you're back on the ground. And you're back on the ground. And okay. safe. And that's all controlled by you and your muscles, which are very, very reliable as, as a human. Yeah. So then when you want to take off, you just point those engines down and now you're up in the air again. You control altitude by vectoring those engines on your arms and you you then uh, yes and you move your arms around to dynamically fly and it's it's kind of like riding a bike you don't think about keeping the bike underneath you the whole time you think about where i want to go and how much i want to lean into this turn and make it feel cool by doing a kind of a hard lean turn you can feel when you're going to lose grip most of the time and you know when you're pushing it too hard so you do the same thing with the jet suit you've got the the response of the sensory matrix of your skin you feel stretch you feel push you feel the amount of force that's being put into your body from this system so you can dynamically throw those engines around and control a sweeping banking turn whilst also rotating it sounds really fun yeah it, it sounds is. really fun but it, but what was it like the first time you rode in it that that must have been uh <laughs> well the first time it's like the first time you get on a bike right you fall off yeah <laughs> uh, with this when we train we have a safety tether system that's rigged up to uh, an overstructure so you're constantly tethered in it's safer than walking around really because you just can't fall over right and then when i first got into this you just think, what am I actually doing as the engines wind up? That beautiful turbine spool-up sound right. with flame licking out the end of the nozzles and this this beautiful smell of, uh, of combustion. Combustion, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, you think, okay, what am I doing? And then you've got the overwhelming sensation, which before you learn to fly, you've got to overcome the heat, the, the very loud noise, because these are turbines spinning at 117,000 RPM. They make a very high-pitched noise, so it's very, very loud. Um, so you've got the noise, you've got the heat that you feel, you've got the fact that you're wearing five jet engines, you see flames and everything, that you're all coming to terms with on the first time you try the suit. Yeah, so sure, that's I'm why sure. we kind of do the jet suit experience for people because it's a really cool thing to come to terms with and feel. All of that on your first go is too much. So you're just getting a getting an idea of what it's like to have that on your body and what the thrust feels like as you pull the trigger in. Exactly, exactly. So, sounds exciting. I mean, I remember the first time I got on a Segway, you know, you can't stand on two wheels, right? <laughs> it just wasn't happening, right? So imagine that with heat, fire, exactly. and a lot of noise. Yeah, definitely a, a much uh, much scarier experience, I'm sure, at first. It's so, quite overwhelming, yeah. but it is, it's kind of like a Top Gun feel to it. It's really cool. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, especially with the combustion going. So how did you get involved with Richard? How did he reach out to you or you... So very early on, uh, before, well, actually before I was with Gravity, I was working on 3D printed rocket engine combustion chambers. So Okay, so you were already in that industry, all right. Yes, yeah, so I spent a lot of time in AM bureaus as well, where you see a lot of CAD files in and parts out, and most of those parts are not optimized for additive manufacture, specifically in metal. You need to know how to design for, for metal AM to get the most out of it. I'm sure, Most yeah. people kind of apply traditional design to it, and you end up with a, a voluminous, blocky design, which is not great for the internal stresses of additive. Right. Right, because you have you have to think about weight. I'm sure quite exactly. a bit. Yeah, additive lends itself very well to aerospace because the sh the part wants to be a shell, a thin, spindly shell of itself. Uh, exactly. If you were going to like in SolidWorks, if you were going to hit the shell tool, it just goes to the one mil thickness that you've set. It's kind of like that. Every part would prefer to be like that because the internal stress is is low. Uh, so that lends itself to aerospace because everything's very light and you can have lots of conformal cooling channels. But So yeah, I was working on uh, rocket engines, conformal cooling channels, and I, when growing up, I built a lot of kind of solid rocket motors, RC planes, and, and things like this. I love doing that. Uh, I love high-power systems, anything that makes a lot of noise. You, you really feel the energy of the system. Uh, uh, oh, to control I, it and contain it is really, it, really cool. Exactly. I, I'd love to see this live sometime. I really would. Yeah, it, you really it, should. It, it's quite it's quite overwhelming. It, it, to see it, you feel more than to actually fly it because when you're 
flying it, all of that energy and uh, coursing of the 1,000 mile per hour air out the exit of the turbines is going away from the pilot. So they're just sitting on top of it, quite calm and peaceful. Right. You, as watching it, you, you feel just see a person that. take off and hover in front of you, which is really cool. But also you feel this this energy in the air, the, the a real guttural kind of oscillation. It's, it's a really cool feeling. It's like a rocket launch. I saw the, the Falcon Heavy, uh, the first Falcon Heavy SpaceX launch, and you get this beautiful crackle noise as it goes up, uh, as it, maybe it gets about 40 degrees into the sky, and there's this real crackling rumble that you feel, uh, which is fantastic. And this is something akin to that. Uh, exactly. Well, well, clearly you have a passion for... For for this industry, right? You you, you like things, uh, uh, um, engines and things going fast. Uh, well, where did that come from? Um, I think possi- possibly my uh, grandfather, uh, who actually uh, I think he he used to fire a cannon down in uh, South Africa. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, he he lived there. He he, he taught me how to make gunpowder when I was very young. Really interesting. Um, too young. Uh, <laughs> now looking back on it, but uh, too young too young to learn how to make gunpowder, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I you always used to make fireworks and things like this. And you're controlling and mixing a different composition for each color, each uh, and the burn rate of the, the propellant or the, the powder that you're making. So I always found that fascinating. So I do a lot of that um, with my granddad early on. And then I got into kind of, I guess, making fireworks and things and larger rocket motors. And uh, yes, I grew up doing that, burning my hands quite a lot. <laughs> and but- yeah, for, from there, the way I got involved with gravity was I was working on these 3D printed combustion chambers, um, printed, some of them printed in copper, which is a high thermal conductivity alloy, which is, lends itself to, uh, to rockets. And I was in Germany at a 3D printing company, and Richard happened to be doing a demo there. So I met, uh, I, I met him there. We w- w- walked past, and I thought I recognized him. And uh, we kind of pushed our way into the meeting, and we started talking about 3D printing and what we could do for the jet suit. And we exchanged email addresses there, and I think I was down uh, working, on, working on the suit a couple of weeks later. Uh, that's great. That's great. Well, he, he clearly saw that you had a passion for, <laughs> for this industry, and, and he could probably use a guy like you. Well, that's excellent. What's next from here? Where, where does this go from here? Just uh, mass producing the suit, or is there a lot of refinement that needs to go on? Well, we're always refining the suit. None of them are the same. They're all, they're all, they all have tweaks and design tweaks that we've made. We're never happy with them. We're actually about to step into a full redesign of the suit to okay, make it robust, wow. productize it more. And when I say productize, I mean make things more slick. Like everything slots together. It's really easy. There's no fitly connectors and things like this. So you can do you can do a whole redesign. Really, I think you should do it quite a few times to step back. What can we make better about the suit? How can we make it more robust? You don't want things that like commonly break when you put it in suitcases and things like that. There's lots of things to refine. Those are quite boring examples. There's no, but I think that's a that's a great point that, that people you know that, to keep redesigning from scratch, knowing what you know. Yeah. Yeah, and stepping away from it and just being being able to and willing to completely redesign the whole thing. Right. And I think with uh, so that's what we're about to do with with the suit. Also, it's going to get more powerful. We're going to have 20% more thrust in the next version of the suit. And I want to keep making it look as close to a film as possible. And, right, right. And that, that's, that's one of the things that I, I mentioned briefly in the talk is the company I founded is called uh, AX or AdditiveX.com. It, it's, uh, it's for helping people to get familiar with designing for metal 3D printing. It also offers that as like a consultancy and also to design products from end to end for people that that are optimized for additive manufacturing polymer metal and also to uh, to present it like it should be like present cool things how they deserve to be presented 
as if they were out of a film. Like one of my favorite films is Oblivion. It's a Tom Cruise movie, yeah, and yeah, everything yeah. is is white, everything sleekly white, yeah. designed. Yeah, but black and white. It's kind of it looks worn. Um, and I think the design in that film is really beautiful. Beautiful. So I'd love to. You know, that's true. I, like I totally that. agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the look you're looking for. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, one of them. Yeah, it depends on the design look a company's going for. But that that's the the three things are, I guess, incorporating cinematic design, optimized additive design, and yeah, teaching people how to do that uh, as well as doing it for them. Uh, because most people don't know metal 3D printing even exists as the public goes uh, and let alone how to actually design for it there are are not many people who know how to design for metal right not just not just for metal but for metal combustion and and parts that like you're designing it there's a special way obviously to to if if you go even more specific then yeah having having a really good understanding of how to design like a combustor for a micro turbine or a uh, rocket regenerative cooling channels for a rocket engine if you know and are very experienced in that and you have the design mentality for additive, then you can really get the most out of the part. Like it'll be lightweight, it'll be optimized for flow of the coolant going through the channels, for example. And it usually looks really cool because everything's yeah. quite conformal. It looks kind of alien and and futuristic in a way. So right. those three things combined is kind of what the core of the AX was for for, for me in founding that. And also what I'd love to apply to the jet suit as we go forward. Maybe you could talk about that quickly. What is the you know, what is the design, uh, you know, you start in SOLIDWORKS and you go to 3D print or how, how does that, uh, how does that process move forward? Yeah, so the design process for us is, is very much we design, well, we'll as, a, as, as a core team, we'll come up with ideas and bounce them off each other and refine them down as much as we can quickly. Then we'll CAD something up, probably FDM print it in the lab because it's very quick and easy. If it's something more robust, then we'll get it SLS printed and then, uh, nothing will be metal printed uh, before we've refined that and that will go print it test it probably break it scrap it (laughs) and then take some of those learnings and put it in the new design as fast as we possibly can print a new one probably the next evening or the same day test that again possibly break it uh, and then (laughs) and just repeat that so it's kind of like ideas then cad print break cad print break right and the original ideas are sketched on paper usually yeah Uh, usually sketched on paper obviously we use solidworks to to do all the cad or i i use solidworks to do all of the design of the suit and uh uh, yes it starts on paper it it, uh, often actually it doesn't even get onto paper we just we just do ideas and immediately sit down and And start designing working on it do you happen to use any of the FDA, I mean, uh, um, FLA analysis and simulations? Yeah, we, we okay. do. So for load-bearing sections of the suit, yes. Okay. Um, uh, obviously, some of the aesthetic stuff you don't need to because it's just aesthetic and we right. want it to look cool as well. Yeah, but, of course. Um, yeah, we've been doing a lot of fluid simulation uh, with actually some external companies recently as well, doing uh, aerodynamic simulation of the wing, the wingsuit equivalent of the jet suit. So okay, that's okay. for picking up speed. That was for the world record where we got to 85 miles an hour. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That was um, pretty cool. So, yeah, we're doing lots of that. It, it, the, the 85 miles per hour one still had quite a lot of drag in some areas, so we're going to smooth that out and make this kind of weird teardrop, sleek-looking equivalent of the suit, uh, which will go. be fun. There you go, yeah. I, I appreciate that you you think about the aesthetics of the design. That's good. Yeah, it's got to look like it's out of a movie. Yeah, exactly. That's what we're looking for. Well, it sounds like things are really coming together, and this is a good time for this type of uh, these type of products to start taking off, right? It's, yeah. It sounds like there's... So uh, what do you think is the future of this? For gravity, the next steps are we have something that is has no formal purpose, but it is allows you to take off from an area the size of your two feet and fly anywhere, regardless of what's there, and then land on an area the size of your two feet. That could be a little rock in the middle of a lake. It could be anything you want. Right. So with that system, 
we're doing kind of niche mobility with uh, like some of the militaries around the world where you can but for search and rescue where you can take off fly around a ship and then land on the ship it's really cool um, very cool which is kind of which is fun and we get to play with loads of large scale like aircraft carriers and things like that and fly around them and also the race series so we have something that is kind of it's it's high power there's a lot of theater to it there's the cool engine spool up noise there is uh, and we're going to do this race series over water where we have like uh, the first race will be in Bermuda in March and where we're going to have five or six pilots flying and we have a load of obstacles over water and doing it over water means that it's safe so if you fall in you just go splash a load of steam is thrown up it's quite a spectacle and uh, you sit there like a lemon in the water with your life jacket around you as everyone taunts you and flies over you but also we'll have five, five guys and girls racing from all from different backgrounds and applying their like whether it's gymnastic training to learning to fly the suit or their technical training and engineering training and doing that in in kind of like a way that would be akin to F1 in the sky. Right. So yeah, a race series. I saw the series. clip of the video. That was the race series was pretty cool. So so March in uh, in Bermuda. In Bermuda said, will yeah. be the first of the international uh, race excellent, series. Excellent. Yeah. And well, it also we'll encourages competitiveness because between the teams that, that would develop, it means each one is trying to develop a faster, cooler looking jet suit that is more efficient and better performs the course. So it encourages uh, competition and development of the technology as well. That's a great point that, that you know, when you're doing a competition like that, you're going to, as you, you just stated, encouraging more development. You know, what, what, what can you do to take it to the next level? And, and also that we're, uh, the jet suit is very, very loud at the moment. It is five micro turbines spinning at almost 2,000 revs a second. So it's not something you're going to go to work in. If everyone was going to work in these, it would be uh, your neighbors wouldn't like you very much. <laughs> so it's not going to be something you go to work in in its current format. But applying some of the learnings from this to future, whether it's kind of uh, future air transport systems would be really cool and other spin-off technologies that we learn from it along the way. Exactly. We know in its current configuration, it's not going to be something you 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 perform your commute in, yeah, exactly. uh, which is why we do the race series and the niche niche mobility uh, at the moment. Yeah, excellent. And excellent. also inspiring people because we do a lot of STEM work as well uh, in in schools and in in large kind of science science conferences. It's great to do a demo flight, even for adults. It, it seems to ignite the inner child in them when you land in front of them, just two meters away, stow the engines as they spool down, and then shake hands with them. That's really cool to see. That's, uh, that, uh, you know, I, I'm very uh, interested in STEM and teaching kids STEM and, and getting more excitement around that. That's a, a big focus of the, the podcast. So that's great that, that you guys are doing that. So, um, uh, as, so so what is the message you give to young people when you go to a STEM event where you're talking about engineering? Well, ge generally, the gravity message is uh, if you have an idea and want to test it, don't wait for the perfect design or the perfect piece of equipment. It's go and test it right now with the things you have available to you in the most crude form possible. So that's DIY store available materials, whatever you have around you. Uh, consumer FDM 3D printers are very cheap now compared to what they used to be. So I would have absolutely loved to own an FDM printer when <laughs> I was 10 or 12. It would have been insane. You can make a custom part for anything that you're building. You could print entire model rocket on there. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just so cool being able to make something custom and you can do it so quickly so if you can get an, a, one of these cheap consumer FDM printers but just test with whatever you have around you the most crude version you can and then learn from that make the next version it doesn't matter if it's crude because that's what people will like to see right. is if you're then going to go and try and get a job or something you just capture all of those steps take loads of photos take loads of video of all of your tests and just compile them together it doesn't need to look amazing but you can show people your development story of of 
of the first crude version and how it got better. The decisions you made that you kept into the design, why you just scrapped a load of stuff, that that's a key part of it. So capturing all of your tests that you do, that you do, and you just know, being willing to go and try it. Uh, th that is absolutely great advice, and, and it's absolutely what you're doing now. As you said, you guys start from scratch every time and go again. So yeah. you're, you're telling them exactly what you guys are doing. That that's excellent advice. Uh, um, uh, thanks for sharing that. So test, but document. You said document's very yeah, important. Yeah, definitely document. Because you'll forget and uh, go back and, and see what you've done and what you learned from that message. Yeah, that's an excellent message. So Yeah, recording the journey, the learning journey. The Recording the learning journey, I like that. And also the, the safe failure mentality, which is any test that you do, if you're going to test something that's high power or potentially dangerous, you don't, you're not going to be standing near that thing. The test should have no possible result that results in your injury, injury or massive financial loss, or anything, any of any of those type of, of outcomes cannot be a, a possible outcome if you're gonna do it right. All of the tests should be safe enough that you don't come out with more than kind of a few grazes or something if you're testing something, or it doesn't endanger other people financially or, or harm. You know, that's a great point. That's an excellent point, which I don't think anybody's ever mentioned on this, but yeah, you wanna, um you, you want to be able to, to continue the design and the growth, and you can't do that if you're injured or, yes. or have no money left. You, right? you have to be able to get up from the test yeah. and, or recover as a company from the test um, if it goes wrong. Recover is probably too strong even. You want it to be, you want it to be much easier than that from a company standpoint. And but if you're going to test a wing, you don't first test your cardboard wing by jumping out of a helicopter <laughs> exactly. without a parachute. Exactly. That's a great point. That's a great point. And coming from you, that's, that's excellent to hear. Thanks for listening today, and to learn more about Sam and the Gravity Jet Suit, go to gravity.co and additivex.com. That's additivex.com. Also, to learn more about the products that Sam uses, such as SolidWorks and SolidWorks Flow, go to solidworks.com. We'll be back again soon with more great Born to Design podcast stories at solidworks.com slash podcast or wherever podcasts are readily available. Until then, keep innovating. I really hope that what you heard today has inspired you. If you enjoyed it, head on over to iTunes, search for the Born to Design podcast, and please leave a five-star review so that this podcast will be recommended to more people, helping us expand the Born to Design community. Thank you.